0: Rolling Dice and Taking Names is sponsored by The Broken Token, creator of high-quality gaming accessories and storage solutions. Visit them online at TheBrokenToken.com Would you like a light racing card game with outrageous characters? Or maybe a post-apocalyptic city-building card game? then you'll like this episode of Rolling Dice and Taking Names as the guys review Crazy Carts and 51st State. Plus, they bring us another segment of Flying Squirrels. Gentlemen, start your engines. Hello, and welcome back to Rolling Dice and Taking Name. This is episode 94, One of the Living. I'm Tony. And this is Marty. And we are a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Now, Marty, I know you don't know what song... This is from, so I'm going to help you. Now, wait a minute. Wait a
1: minute. Are, are you questioning my song library that I have in my head as to whether I I might
0: know this song? It just so happens I don't. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, you may know it as soon as you Google it, but that's all right. But no, it, it comes from one of the classic, probably the best Mad Max movies. Well, that's either Mad Max 2 or Mad Max 4 for me. What? You mean it's not Beyond Thunderdome with Tina Turner singing One of the Living? <laughs>
1: Oh, you are using sarcasm. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> it's like, I don't even acknowledge Thunderdome anymore.
0: Yeah, that's that was one of the title tracks from um, Thunderdome, One of the Living. And I thought it would be appropriate for this episode because we're going to be talking about a post-apocalyptic state in one of our reviews tonight. Could that be oh, um, 51st State, the Master Set? Yeah, that's it. The Master Set, which is actually out on stores shells right now so and we'll be talking about that and we've got some other great reviews coming up and of course we've got the segment with the flying squirrels i'm excited the squirrels have been pinned up for a couple episodes Um, i don't know why maybe because they've been full of good information if you haven't listened to rob davio's interview uh, guys uh, make sure you check that one out rob gave us a lot of great information
1: yes he did thanks so much for coming on the show rob we got a lot of great feedback from that well he got a lot of great feedback because it really amped up the hype for seafall
0: i'm glad we're recording early tonight so we can have the energy level up well because you know as a member of the well i'm sorry what member are you of i'm struggling member of these members only i used to have one of those jackets and no no no, the silver hair club
1: yeah we'll be the silver fox we'll be addressing that later on in the squirrels segment (laughs) oh that
0: was awesome way to go oh yeah that was really funny
1: yeah i have a response to chris from the secret cabal about that uh, little ditty from
0: not Jack and Diane, but Jamie and Chris, the episode they talked about all the cool many. If you haven't listened to that, they took a good shot at our, my co-host across the way here and his ability to do dexterity and the color of his hair.
1: Yeah, that, that's hilarious. Hey, look, I want to talk to you about something. <laughs> What's that? Today in the mail, we got the latest expansion of Imperial settlers. Three is the magic number.
0: Wait a minute. Is that like the one that we put on? in our show notes where we were giving clues and a whole bunch of podcasts if you could come up with the name and Nasi was going to do something?
1: Yes, that's it. Uh, Last year. And that comes from the Schoolhouse Rock song, Three is the Magic Number, which Tony and I are are very familiar with. And so I've opened up the pack. I have not had a chance to play it, but I thought I would go over some of the rules and and what this uh, pack adds to it. So Ignace has already teased the whole idea is about collecting sets, right?
0: Yeah. I, hold on. Just one second. Wasn't the okay. name three's the magic number? Wasn't that the size of the font? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just curious. <laughs> Cause she, cause she...
1: Oh, you caught me off guard with that one. Uh, that I'm funny. sorry. I'm sorry. That was funny. Okay. Actually, it is as I'm looking at the cards here. It's like, dang, this a fun to not get any larger. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm rambling. So three is the magic number. is all about collecting different uh, sets of locations where a set is consists of the color of location that it is. Now, if you've played Imperial Settlers, you know in the bottom left-hand corner, there's a color uh, for each location card, gray, red, brown, etc. And with this game, there are cards in here. that says if you collect of a set of a certain color, you get something. Uh, for example... I'm looking at a common card right here, Tony, that says production, one food, additional one food for each red set in your empire. Well, now that I've explained to you what I said is, you can pretty much figure out what this card does, right? Yeah, if I have a set
0: of red, is that right? Three, yes, three location cars with red, you get an additional food. I get an additional food. So, of course, quick math, I have nine locations with red, then I'm going to get three food. That's pretty good. Got to use a little math here. Might be stressing me out, but okay, that's pretty easy. Oh, well, uh, if you got nine, you're actually going to get four food because you automatically get
1: one, then one additional for every three. I'm glad we're doing this early. So you're thinking clearly here.
0: Well, the one was a given. I was thinking of the nine locations and you get three plus the one. You're absolutely right. Maybe that's why I always lose at 51st State. Another example here is features. Now, it seems like features
1: are a big deal in this set. There are a lot of different feature cards. And for example, here's one here, City of the Nomads. Each time you complete a new set of black, black and pink, you can gain either one sword and draw a card or a victory point. With this one, it doesn't necessarily have to be the same color. So in this situation, you're looking for a black, black, and pink set in here. So not all the cards are dealing with three of one color, which I think kind of neat. Now you just can't, like, on that first card, it was all about getting a bunch of reds. Well, mm-hmm. some of these other ones you can't. You need to mix and match the colors uh, for this to work. Now, in this particular one here, it says each time you complete a set. So the first time you get a black black pink, then you're going to get this award. And what you do is you take uh, a card from the top of the common deck and put it face down underneath this feature card to indicate one set is complete. And that's just to remind you, you've done one. But now you're going to need another black, black and pink location to do this again. So that's how you track how many times you've activated
0: this card. And it's it spells that
1: out in the rules with some really good examples.
0: OK, that's kind of neat. I mean, to go and use the cards for the, the color instead of just, you know, X number of locations that have this keyword or something like that. That's pretty cool. The pack contains
1: 67 new cards. There's 10 Atlantean, 10 Barbarian, 10 Japanese, 10 Roman, 10 Egyptian, 13 common cards, two virtual player faction cards and two attack cards. There's a, a segment back here on, on single player games, uh, which I didn't uh, really look at and see how to play because I've never played the single player, even though I should, I heard it's a really fun solo game. So all those new cards, so there's there's new common cards plus uh, cards for a- every faction. And I was reading some of the rules here in, in standard play, which you can use in tournaments. You're only supposed to use one set of expansion and build your deck. I wish that we would have some organized play for Imperial settlers around here. I have not seen that anywhere around
0: here. Have you? Oh, uh, no. And, uh, I'm kind of surprised by that. Maybe that's something we need to do. Does he offer an organized play kit or is it just one of those things where we might have to reach out and say, Hey, we need to support this game a little bit more.
1: I have not seen any organized play kits, but I think a tournament of this would be cool. So basically you bring in your own faction deck built however you want, and you sit down and play a game, I mean, with other players. So I mean, This is one of the differences that we'll actually be getting into when we review 51st State. Uh, the fact that you can build a faction deck does not exist in 51st State, which is one of the differentiators between these two
0: games. You know, and it's been a while since I've played Imperial Settlers and from My recollection, I always forget that you can build a deck in there. That's kind of unique. I had forgotten that aspect of the game.
1: Yeah, that's the whole purpose of it. And each card is indicated by how many of that particular type of card, everything you can have in each deck. So there's like deck building rules. And in fact, here, it's the same thing for building a faction deck. They give you the rules of of how many of each type of cards you can have in. So it's like an LCG almost. Before you come into a game, you construct your own custom faction deck and come in and and play against each other's. I mean, it really does lend itself to good organized play. See, we need to do that. Go make that happen. All right. (laughs) Yeah, I'll get right on that. So anyway, three is the magic number should be in stores anytime now. I just happened to pull up uh, some of the online stores and most of them are saying shipped sometime in May. And this copy I got actually came from the distributor down in uh, Atlanta. So I assume that's the same one that's going to be shipping out to all your online stores and your local gaming stores. So keep an eye out on it. I think it's... uh It's like $14 or $15. I can't can't remember the MSRP, but it's somewhere like that. It does expand your existing uh, card selection. It does add a new element to the game with the set collection. So if you're playing Imperial Settlers, for the price this thing is, I think it's a must-have.
0: Well, that sounds pretty good. I can't wait to give it a try over at your house. It's going to be hard to beat 51st State getting that on the table, though. You know how I feel about 51st State, or you will get to hear about it, but I'm, I'm willing to give it a try.
1: Well, I can't wait to hear what you think about 51st State. I'm sure everybody else is sitting on the edge of their seat, too. But you know, before we get to that one, we should talk about another Portal game.
0: I agree. But before we get to that, I want to do one thing. I'm going to throw you a loop. It's not in the show notes. Is that all right? Here, here we go. We're going, we're flying by the seat of our pants, we're going off the rails. Here we go. So anyway, I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all of our new members of our Board Game Geek Guild. We've had a bunch of people join lately, and I just was looking through. I love looking through all the um, icons and pictures that people have posted up. Thank you so much for joining the guild. We really do appreciate it. Just to name a few, we've got Lord Catan coming in. We got Dougal forty uh, six zero two. He's got he's waving the Canadian flag there on his moniker, Tar Kid. Uh, then we got Eric Groog showing up. Um we got another Canadian coming in here, AYM14. I'm not even, I know what that's from, uh his initials. Buckaroo, another Canadian. Wait. What's going on here, Marty? <laughs> I think it's a takeover dude. It's a hostile takeover from the Canadians. It might be. I can't believe it. Oh, wait, we got we got Mundane here. Mundane. I was looking at his. He's a Cincinnati Reds fan.
1: Oh, nice, nice. nice. Uh, so are we. I'm not, not doing too much this year, but yeah, I grew up a Reds fan. Yeah, it's great to see the, the Guild grow. We try to stay active in there. We appreciate everybody that comes out there and talks with us. It's just a nice little forum to kind of bounce stuff off of each other. But, Tony, I must admit, every time that we post... Uh, our episode notes, see how it never really, we never get into discussions about the game we played. Everybody in our guild tends to follow after us and we go off on these squirrels and our yeah. threads and totally get away from whatever the episode was about. Works for me.
0: <laughs> yeah. Of course,
1: each week you're posting polls on what you should play this weekend.
0: Well, I can't help that because you know me, I'm indecisive. I can never make a decision for own what I want to do. Plus when we had our Warcraft guild, That was the one of the fun things I used to do is post polls over in there. And I had forgotten how much fun I have in trying to come up with that and see what the results are. So, I mean, like above and below one, which game I should teach my um, neighbors this one week. And it was kind of interesting to do that. And we'll hear about that as well. It's just just something fun to do. I love polls. So I actually think that's an interesting way to have uh, other people decide what games you're going to play
1: because it's interesting to see what, people want to hear about too. And Above and Below was the winner, and I can't wait to hear what you think about that.
0: Why don't we get to our game review of Crazy Carts, Stop This Idle Chit Chat, and get to the meat of the show. The
1: Broken Token just released their latest organizer in the Craftsman series, The Big Damn Crate. This is the box that holds all the expansions for the game Firefly from Gale Force Nine holds all the components, sleeved cards, every expansion's come out there. It's and what it is, it's not just an insert for the existing box. It's a brand new box that you can put everything in, a nice thick wooden shell box with all the organizers inside of it. To get more information, go out to thebrokentoken.com. So the next new game coming out from Portal is Crazy Cards. Ignacy has been talking about this for a while, and it's actually on pre-order right now. Tony and I got a review copy of this game, and we got to play it several times with, with family and friends, and actually International Tabletop Day. And the whole goal of this game
0: is to try to finish first in a race. It's a novel idea, isn't it, Marty? You're trying to end first in a race. And don't forget, when we played over at Simon we were there, we had everybody sitting around. We all played it there as well, which was an interesting adventure for both of us.
1: Yeah, but almost it's like a drag race because it's not yeah. a circular track. The board pieces are basically made up of these hex squares, and your cart goes in one of those squares, and you're trying to get from one end of the track
0: to the other. Exactly. Now, one of the things about this game that I know everybody is aware of. Now, if you want to go check it out on Watch It played for a detailed how to play, highly recommend that. I think Rodney did a decent job. What do you think?
1: Yeah, he, he did a very good job as usual. So yeah, if you want a really detailed explanation of how the game is set up and how it works in each action, go check that out. But from a high level, the the really cool thing is, is that you're playing as teams. So this game can support for anywhere from three to eight players. There's two people on a team, and if there's an odd number of people, then there's a variant uh, where the person can play as what they call the lone wolf. But anyway, that's how it supports an, an odd number of players. But the cool thing, Tony, is... Is we're both selecting our actions that we're going to resolve during our turn, but there's a screen in front of in front of each of our boards, and we can't see what the other person's doing.
0: What that screen is, I've got certain actions that Marty can't see. He and I are trying to drive our card. He's he's the front seat, I'm the back seat driver back here. And he's got his actions on his player board, I've got my actions on the player board. But when we reveal our player boards, and based on where we've played our cards to initiate those actions you know some may be benefits some may be not so good for the team and that's really the the gist of the game where you get ready to go you play your action cards and you resolve them now one thing that we screwed up a couple of times and I want to caution everybody on this is in big yellow words above the actions in the rule book there's this blurb now luckily it's not in the setup it's not a footnote anywhere but it's somewhere in the rules where I wouldn't hey guess what that's a brilliant place to put it but you and I completely missed it didn't we oh not only did we miss it but so uh, it but but, but, but others King? let's let's be fair and tom Vassell,
1: but i won't know names <laughs> but yeah so what it is on that very first action selection is well number one everybody has a, a deck of six cards and there's four different factions in the game you're playing as different factions and each of these cards has a certain number of uh, steering wheels on them uh, ranging from one uh, two or three and you stack a certain number of cards on an action and you apply those the total number of wheels to that particular action like the first one is and like tony explained it's the initiative whoever puts the most number of steering wheels on the initiative will actually get to go first and this is where we kind of screwed up
0: yeah we didn't read the statement that says then an in initiative order each team resolves all of their actions in the following order some people might have took that and say okay uh, that team is initiative first so they're going to resolve their number two everybody else resolves their number two order then number three the number four no the whole team does their player boards which is 1 through 10 actions on that board. So the whole team gets to do that. And that's kind of an important step, Marty, that the the team goes and does that because it can change things up as as we talk about the other order, other actions like, um, you know, there's four factions in their games. There's dwarves, there's mummies, there's elves and then of course there's the one that always escapes me oh my hell the goblins yes they have special actions that's one of the things they can do there's power up where these discs give you special things which I call like the Mario Mario Super Mario mushrooms and that kind of stuff
1: Right, right. They're like the special abilities. And then you have like customizations, which can randomly given be given out at the beginning of the game to each team that they can activate on their turn. Now, the cool thing, Tony, is probably the next several actions, right? Uh, there's a, a person that's responsible for tracking the acceleration or the speed of the cart, and it can go from anywhere from zero to seven. So you start at a dead stop. The first action is, is you actually can break. You take the number of steering wheels that you've played on that particular action and you slow it down that amount. But actually, we won't be doing that the first turn. We need to speed up. So you take the number of steering wheels or total up the number of steering wheels on the cards played on that one and you move your speed up that amount. And that's how many spaces you're going to go on your turn.
0: Right. Now, what's important about this is on that speed up or speed icons there, that determines how many cards you're going to get to draw in the next round when you have to do play again after all the everybody's done their entire turns or their their numbers then that will dictate how many cards so if i'm thinking we need to get more cards and i'm the odd numbered guy and i break us down marty could very well speed us up and completely negate what i tried to do but you resolve that and next is a crucial part when you stop the game and you do movement your car moves now this is something that people kind of like well can i turn Nope, not yet. you got to move. So if you speed up too far and there's an obstacle in your way, bam! (laughs) And that's literally it. There's like three things you could do. You can run into a
1: wall, which is the edge of the board, basically. You can run into another cart or actually run into an obstacle where these random obstacles are placed on the board. And each of those resolve a different way. Like you run into a wall. Tony, it's a concrete wall. And you're stopping. You're bam. Your, your speed immediately drops to zero and you take damage. And you track your damage also on your speed track. And the more damage you have, uh, it means your engine's kind of messed up and it, it, it limits how fast that you can go. Mm-hmm. So the more damage you have, it limits your speed. But we'll take care of that in a second. So... You move, like you said, you resolve. If you run into another cart, this is kind of cool, Tony, because you run into a cart, you can actually push them, Mm and actually push
0: them into a wall. So
1: there can can only be one cart per space. You run into a a
0: space where there's another cart, they're moving on. That's right. You you ain't racing if you ain't rubbing or something like that from NASCAR. (laughs) You know, she was running good until... Number three hit the Sac Creek concrete wall over there. <laughs> That's so
1: funny you said that because as I said, concrete, I thought of that Sac Creek concrete wall because
0: everything has a sponsor. <laughs> That's right. So so if you, if you if you if you ain't rubbing, you ain't racing. So here we go, baby. <laughs> so so we've hit another cart now, Marty. You got every time we played this game, you had to explain to me how turns work. But it's really thematic to me. The next step is you got to turn. As long as the number of wheels you played equals or exceeds your speed, is that right? Equals or exceeds. Correct. Then you're Mm -hmm. able to turn your car, whichever way you want to go. Right. And it's in a hex. So you can only go and turn like 60 degrees. Back when somebody increased your speed, well, you may not be able to turn. And people may be playing cards so fast that they forget to turn, which we always hear Ignacy talk about. So turning is kind of an important thing as even on this track where it's a straight track, cause you're on a hex, you're never going really straight.
1: No, that's right. You're always kind of somewhat going at a diagonal. In fact, the width of the board is either four or five hexes across. So that's how wide the whole track is as you race along uh, the board. And I think and one of those things I think people always tend to forget as they're making their selections is you turn after you move. You turn after you move because everybody's like, but I wanted to turn before I move. No. no. Turning is action number seven. You must resolve number six first, which is speed up. And in between that, you actually move unless... Unless, Tony, you happen to be playing the Goblins. And remember, we talked about those special abilities mm-hmm. at the beginning. If I activated my Goblin ability uh, on one of the earlier actions, I can actually turn before I move, which is why I really like the Goblins.
0: Right. And now, and I've heard people say that that makes no sense to me. Why, does my, why do the number of cards or the number of wheels have to be greater than my speed? Uh, you got to think about this. You know, it's harder to turn a car the faster you're going. And if you turn it too hard, you're going to flip it or you're going to spin it out or something like that. So thematically, that kind of works.
1: So after you turn, we move on to the next thing. And by the way, when Tony, you said earlier that you were the odd guy, that's not necessarily you're weird. What you mean by that is by each player is responsible for either the odd or even actions. So one person has one, three, five, seven, nine. The other person has two, four, six and eight. And ten. Don't forget ten. And ten, which is a very important one. But number seven was turn. Number eight is actually you get to shoot. So what you do is you count up the number of wheels that were played on the shoot action, and you can shoot that many spaces away from you. And if you're able to target and hit another car, they draw a card off the damage pile, and it does something to them. But it could be just like, oh, you missed. So sometimes you do damage to somebody, and sometimes you just totally miss altogether. But it's the way to affect other players on the game. That's pretty important because this is not a race that you're playing by yourself, you're on the cart with others, you want to bump and grind, and you want to shoot them.
0: Yes, you do, because you can't let someone run away from you, which happened in one of our games. The People just went, bam, gangbusters, did a lot of damage, fixed it up, and they were gone. So you're absolutely right. You've got to be able to shoot them, bring them back to you. Now, we mentioned the power-ups, the blue turtle shells, the Mario super speed up things. Well, that's charging. When you, you can have a charge meter. Think of it like this. You're sitting there and you're feeding nitrous to your system. You're trying to get it to pump up so you can activate it. Well, the way you do that is through step number nine, which is charging the number of wheels that you move up. The charging meter there are on the side of your player board and you're charging the, the system so that you can collect one of those tokens that has the magic number three Ignacy font on it.
1: <laughs> that, yeah that's right the the meter goes from zero to ten and once you cross the ten spot you get to randomly pick up one of those tower power tokens that we talked about in an earlier action where you can activate it and use it and to activate them they have a different cost of of wheels so if you want to activate one you pay whatever the cost is on while the earlier actions you can actually use it but every time you you get to ten and wrap around you get to pick up one of those new discs so you constantly want to put cards on that particular power-up action because tony totally those power-up discs
0: are pretty powerful yeah they are so you've charged it up but you've taken some damage number 10 lets you repair it so the number of wheels you play hey you're re- you've repaired the car that's it people those are all the actions one through 10 i know we went over it quickly but really you know from the standpoint it's really a simple type of i go he goes i go he goes and you gotta get those cards down because keep in mind that when the first team that puts all their cards down They look at one another and they start counting five, four, three, two, one. If we didn't mention this at the beginning, they do. And that forces all the other teams. They've got to frantically put their cards down. Now, don't be a jerk and go five, four, three, two, one. That's not how we do it. You just count down or have a little small timer. And I think that is, you know, one of the unique things about this. Now, this game reminds me of, and I'm going to ask Marty a question here. Once again, I'm killing him on this unpreparedness. Squirrel! Wacky Races. Never played it. The cartoon.
1: Oh, I'm sorry when you said it, it's like right, the cartoon. You mean with oh, what was its
0: it three different teams? I thought it was. Well, you had the the the, the monster team, then you had Mutley. Yeah, I thought Muttley was the monster team. No, Mutley and his um the guy that had the big stovetop hat. Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: And then you had um Penelope, and then you had the the guy who reminds me of Speed Racer, and then you had the Red Baron. And then you had the um, the granny, the mugs, the granny and all of her sons, the little short people, and the
1: that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. And
0: most of them were Hanna Barbera cartoons, right? Right, and then or you, cartoon characters, yep. And then you had the hillbillies, and then you had the cavemen, and then you had the guy and his beaver, and he had the logs with the with the wheels that were spuzzsaws, in which I never understood as a kid why he didn't just go straight into the ground. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yes, Wacky Races is, is a good cartoon implementation of the. This game because it's really something like that. Yeah, it is. And everybody's like, I have no idea what you're
0: talking about. are <laughs> the old man shows? These were the comics that we watched growing up. The cartoons. The cartoons. We we. Uh, that was one of my favorite cartoons. So I love that. And I never understood. I always pulled for Muttley, but he never won.
1: Well, no, he was a bad guy. He's the one that laughed like this, right? Like, <laughs>
0: Yeah, he's the one that did that. That's exactly right. Yeah, okay. So what do you think of this? What are your pros about this game? The pros about this game is one thing I like, that the fact that it supports up to
1: eight ga- uh, eight players. How many games out there will support up to eight players? And it's not like necessarily each is an individual person, since it's a team. It's really just uh, four teams, and, and it's it's the, the wackiness of not being able to see what your opponent, to your opponent, what your teammate is picking is the crazy part of the game. And the timing also, because once you get yours done, like you said, somebody starts uh, uh, counting down from five and people are frankly trying to get their cards in play. Because if you don't, those cards go in your discard pile. So there is some strategy to it as you're looking at the board. It's like, now, is Tony going to turn? Uh, and if not, do I need to break in case he doesn't turn, you know that sort of deal. You're, you're trying to work together. You know, do you want to allocate points to your power up? Do you want to allocate points to trying to shoot somebody and trying to hurt them? We didn't mention how the obstacles work. They're on the board. They do various things. They can slow you down, spin you out, do sort of certain, certain things on the board. Once you run into them, you it's a little uh, a piece that just lies on the board. You resolve it, and it comes off the board. Then the obstacles all for good. So the first part is actually the qualifying race where you're playing with three of the racing tiles. And after the qualifying for the final race, you're going to add a fourth board and you're going to set up the obstacle again, obstacles again. You're going to go at it again. After the qualifying, you had the final race where you add one additional board. So it's a little bit longer this time. You reset all the obstacles and you go again. But the nice thing is the first place finisher on the qualifier gets their first choice of all the upgrades that are available because there's going to be upgrades available that you can apply to your cart to make it even better and more unique than the other races that are already out there. And then you can use that
0: for the next race. And then the winner of the final race is the winner of the game. For me, the pros of this game is the franticness. I enjoy that. I like the fact that I'm doing some actions and then Marty's doing actions, and yet we don't know what those actions are going to do to each other. That's fun to me, the chaos in it. And that's how this game needs to be played, in my opinion. You need to have the chaos. You don't, one of our big mistakes was as we introduced this game to people, we say, well, we're not going to count. I think counting is key to this, and I think it's an essential part. And I do like it as part of this game. It's fun. I like the power ups. I like how it seems, even though that, you know, people may say, well, the theme doesn't, I'm like, yeah, it does. You got to think about this. You're going to hit a wall, you're going to take damage. You got to, you can't turn if you're going to fast. If you're going so fast, then you can't, you know, get as many cards because you can't make as many decisions because things are going so fast. I mean, things are going... Have you ever gone to NASCAR? That's what it sounds like, Marty. He goes, doo, 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 doo. just saying. <laughs> Dude, people are like, what are you talking about? When you're sitting I've in never been to a NASCAR you, race. Yeah, when you're sitting in the stands and the cars go by you, it's amazing. So that's what you got to think. And that's what's happening out there. It's really fast. You don't have time to do that. And that's what I like about this game. Now, for me, uh, some of the cons it seemed to last a little too long, but I think the fault of that goes back on me for not enforcing the countdown. Everybody's like, oh, oh, hold on. I can't play my cards in time. We'll get over it. That's how the game is. So I think that if you don't do that, the game can drag out for a little bit. And, and that to me is probably about the only con I really have for this. I like the art of, uh, Uh, You know The rules are pretty straightforward, except for that one in big, bold yellow letters that we all missed. Other than that, life was pretty good. How about you?
1: I'm kind of the same way. It did seem that when we played, it took a little long. But I will say that some of the first times that we were playing were with eight people who had never played the game. And so that's eight people that's trying to learn the game, which slowed it down. But the nice thing about it is, is you don't have to go two races. It did feel like after I do, we do the qualifying race that... Oh, now we got to reset the board again and do another full race. Because these people were just now learning how to play the game, once they got through race number one, they felt like, you know, I kind of got a gist of the game. I had fun, but I really don't want to do another race. There's no reason that you have to run two races. You can house variant that if you want. So I too felt a little long. In fact, uh, the probably the sweet spot, Tony, for this, wouldn't you say this is either four or six? Uh, players, probably three teams is probably a really sweet spot.
0: Yeah, I, I I agree with you. I was thinking the same thing. Six players get out there, even probably five with the lone wolf option. And I will have to say this: I've never played with the lone wolf option. Hope to do that. Six is a magic number, not three. Six.
1: <laughs> yeah, three carts on the board. I think's a good oh, number. Oh, nice
0: tie-in. There you there go. You. There's your three's the magic. Three's number. the magic number. So anyway. I, I completely agree with you on that. Now, for me, I think this game is, I would play this game at any time. However, with my playgroup, because of the take that nature and the fast play, they're not going to want me to pull it out. They're not, let's face facts. My wife is not going to like the fact that I may be lobbing bombs at her and shooting her and causing damage. She loves racing, but I think this will be one of those things that she's like, oh man, oh, you're picking on me. Well, that's part of the game is I'm trying to win. I'm going to hit everybody on the board. But yeah, you happen to be close enough for me to do it. So I think that's probably one of the only things keeping me from putting this game in my collection. If anybody came up and said, hey, you want to play crazy cards? Yes, I will play cl- crazy cards anytime.
1: Yeah. And I was kind of like wanting to gauge my answer by what you said, because I'm kind of in the same boat. I don't know that this game will get played a lot. I don't know if it's one of those that my family and friends will say, hey, let's go play this one but there are very few games where if somebody says, we have eight people, what can we play? And this now is an option to pull that off the shelf. So Tony, if you would have said, you know what, I'm going to keep it on the shelf, my answer would have been, well, I probably don't need to, because between the two of us, we'd probably play it together, right? But since you say you don't need it on your shelf, I'll go ahead and keep it on mine for those situations where there arises where This is a very valid eight-player game that's pretty easy to teach and flows pretty well once you understand it. And again, I know I said never play with eight, and I get that. But there is that option there if somebody really wants to. And after you've played it a few times, you know it, then you might play it. And like you said, just the only real con is... When you're resolving the turns, granted, you're not resolving all 10 actions every turn, right, Tony? Maybe three or four because you only have a limited number of cards, so you can't activate everything. It doesn't make any sense to. So maybe you're only activating three or four, but where it might slow down is if you move and you accidentally hit somebody, which you have to resolve that, which means they have to take a damage. Unless they run to a wall and then they slow down. So there's these little chain reaction things that have to be resolved after you move or you run to an obstacle. You need to resolve that. If you shoot somebody, you got to decide who you're going to pick. They need to draw a card, resolve that card. So there is a part in between the frantic of making action selections where it slows down a tad. And some people may not be crazy about that.
0: So you heard it here. Crazy cards. We're going to play it. We're going to keep it on our shelves. So definitely it's one of those that I think everybody needs to go play and decide for themselves. And now it's time for Flying Squirrels, short discussions on topics that have our attention for now.
1: Now here's something we hope you'll really like.
0: Hey, and welcome back after that fine review of Crazy Carts. We're going to go jump right into our Flying Squirrels. Fine review? Okay, yeah, sure. F- yeah, whatever. We're going to go right straight to the Flying squirrel. So Marty, are you ready to get started? Yeah, how does this work again? It's real simple. You got two minutes to spout off something that's caught your eye. So are you ready? I am ready to begin. Go.
1: This is something that really caught my eye this week. There is a rumor, a potential le- leaked picture from FFG of a new LCG that's going to be coming out maybe at Gen Con the Arkham Horror LCG. This game is going to be well kind of like what it sounds, Arkham Horror themed, except it's going to be a co-op game. Now, I love my Arkham Horror themed games. I really enjoy co-op games and I really enjoy LCGs. Tony, I love the Lord of the Rings. We don't get to play enough. I I wish we could play more. We need keep talking about. We need to find ways to to play more. So the, theory, the the rumor is there's going to be an Arkham Heart LCG coming out. Now, I thought, well, how is this going to be different than the current Lord of the Rings, which is what it's going to be compared to? From what you could tell in the blurb, it sounds like you're only going to be controlling one person. You're going to be controlling an investigator. Now, with Lord of the Rings, you're controlling three heroes. and You can add allies to go out and fight and do questing and everything. So, it would be interesting if you can only tr- control one person and build decks around that person. So, I'm, I'm really curious to see how this is going to go.
0: Like I stated in an email to you, I need another game, just like a, a card game, like I need a hole in the head. We haven't played Lord of the Rings. Why do you want me to go out and invest in another one just because it's Arkham? Yeah. I don't know. Do you not like Arkham themed games? I like them. Okay. I mean, for me, I just don't know if I need another LCG. I want to get Lord of the Rings played. I tell you what, when we finish Grey Havens and get through all the other expansions, I'm there for you. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that. But the
1: nice thing about a co-op LCG is there's not that need to feel like you have to buy every card, right? Right. I mean, it's just you just buy what you want because it's not playing competitively. But anyway, again, it's just a rumor. I kind of hope it's true. I'd like to see what they do with the game. That's Arkham Heart LCG, maybe.
0: I asked the Guild. I said, Guild, we just finished up Pandemic Legacy. What game should I teach my wife and neighbors this time? And you guys responded with air and pathetic amount of above and below you guys said you need to teach him this game and you are absolutely right you couldn't have been more right if you tried now the only thing you were not right in is the fact that it took me a while to teach this game and i'm gonna hold y'all responsible for this that was a three-hour event for me <laughs> oh my gosh dude How's, how long is it supposed to be I'm sure it's an hour. Isn't every game one hour?
1: Well, I like. not.
0: Oh, that's true. So anyway, above and below, they loved it. They thought it was a great game. Now I'll admit in the, while we were playing, there was some strawberry shortcake served. So that was an additional 45 minutes. And you know, I went over the rules and we went and ate some strawberry shortcake. And then we came back and I had to go back over the rules. And, but other than that, I only messed up a few things, but other than that, they really enjoyed it. And they said, you need to make sure we play this again. Now, I know, Marty, it wasn't one of your top games. I enjoyed the worker placement. I had a few things uh, that bothered me about it. First off, I thought it was way too short from the standpoint I got my engine going. You just
1: said it was three hours long.
0: Okay. There were only seven rounds that stretched over three hours. Okay? Okay. Okay. All right, so yeah, so that to me was a problem that I was like, I got my engine going. Um, I didn't win, that's normal whenever I teach a game, okay, it's normal all the time. But e- either way, I enjoyed the game, I enjoyed doing the stories, I did a little ad-libbing of the stories. Um, so it was fun, it was a fun event and I can't wait to get to the table again.
1: I played it for the first time at BGG Con. it just didn't blow me away. The whole reading of the stories thing just doesn't do anything for me. It's like, I feel like I'm supposed to be playing a Euro, but then I'm off reading stories it's okay. I'd probably need to try it again, but it just didn't float my boat. One of the hottest games that was just recently announced that kind of came out of nowhere is Warhammer quest silver tower. This is a What people think is like a a reboot of the original Warhammer Quest game from Games Workshop. And from what I understand is while it has the name Warhammer Quest, they did tweak it and change it some. So it's not exactly like the original, but people are going gaga over this game. Uh, Tony, I believe you actually said that you are a game store where you, you saw them in stock.
0: Yeah, they were. Late. They had just gotten their shipment and they had opened it up and they had like five of them sitting there on the counter. And I'm like, wait a minute, I think I know what that is. Now, had I paid attention and walked over to the price, I would have slowly backed away from it. It's 150 bucks MSRP,
1: so it's not a cheap game. And here's the thing. Again, a lot of people I know are just crazy excited, can't wait to play it. And Tony, the hype's just not there for me. And I'm trying to think why. And there's like several reasons that came to mind. I never played Warhammer Quest the original, did you?
0: No, I have not.
1: So I don't have that nostalgia there. So it's not like, oh, I remember the time playing that. I really want to play it again. So that's not there. You probably know the Warhammer lore better than I do. I don't. So I really don't have any huge attachment to that world. So that was like, okay, well, again, I can I can pass. It's a dungeon crawl game, which I love. I love my dungeon crawl games, but there are a lot of dungeon crawl games out there right now. And I'm sitting there looking, okay, it's 150 bucks. But there's many hours of putting those miniatures together. They're all on sprues. It's not like I can just open the box and start playing it. It's a hobby in itself to get those things together, which is fine. A lot of people enjoy that. But for me, I, I don't know. I think there's probably other dungeon diving games I might rather get into and get on the table uh, more quickly. It's just, it just didn't do anything for me.
0: And you're right. I I know it from. I know some of it because I enjoyed playing the RPG and I've read all the Felix and Gotrek books. But you know. Uh, I'm with you. Okay, that's great. But you know what? I would rather save up that money because on June 7th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Cool Mini or Not is reaching their hand in my back pocket and taking my <laughs> wallet out again as they launch the Kickstarter for Massive Darkness. Yes, we saw this beautiful game sitting on the tables down at Seamon Expo. We heard all the hype. I can't wait to see the videos. Marty, there goes the origins budget. I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, why? Why would you do this to me right now? I'm I'm torn here because, like you said, a Simon Kickstarter, you get tons of stuff, and now I'm also got to pay for my kickstarter for mass mora they came out and said hey get ready send us some more money because you are gonna want these extras like extra dice and stuff like this so i don't know man it's the temptations there well
1: here's the thing it's from the same design team that did zombie side so a very very successful game they know how to make a good thematic game but uh, now here's the question i'm excited about massive darkness too but you know what it's kind of a pricey dungeon diving game with miniatures but why am i more excited about this than i am warhammer quest
0: uh, probably because you know nothing about Warhammer Quest and you know that C-Mod's going to give you a bunch of stuff if you back it.
1: Yeah, and maybe that's it. But maybe maybe there's some things I had read about uh, Warhammer Quest where I don't know if there's like leveling in uh, the characters where you get XP and level up. I, there may be, there may not be, the reviews are starting to come out, but I know that that's a massive darkness. And to me, I like the idea of taking a character, build it, and make it stronger over time through a campaign.
0: You know what? I've got mass Masmora, so I'm going to do my best not to push the back button, but it's going to be so tough. All I know is, thank you, Cool Mini or not. I appreciate you taking my wallet out one more time. Tony, I have a bone to pick. Oh, well, then go over there and eat it. Go chew on that that meat off that bone. What, what's it about?
1: So, you know, a uh, couple episodes ago, we did our overview of... Cool Mini or Not Expo, right? And we talked about all the games that we played. And one of the games we talked about was Dutch Blitz that Jamie taught us from The Secret Cabal. And it was a fun game or whatever. I mean, I th- I think you were more enthralled with it than i was because you actually went and bought a copy didn't you
0: well i did and the reason why i was more enthralled my my wife likes playing this game called nerds which is similar to dutch blitz i like dutch blitz over that and to keep her happy she's like oh i won't play this I, I hate that game but this game i enjoyed just because of the extra strategy that we talked about in the last show
1: So when I was playing this game with Jamie and Chris from The Secret Cabal, and after we were done, they said, what did you think? I thought, it's okay. It's nothing like that I need to play or anything like that. So when The Secret Cabal does their Cool you or Not uh, review episode, and they come to this part where they're talking about Dutch Blitz, and Jamie says something like, I don't think Marty cared for it. Chris chimes in and says, well, probably because his manual dexterity isn't that good. Chris, it's not a problem with manual dexterity. The game doesn't need a lot of manual dexterity. I think I can thumb through three cards and then take a card and put it on top of another pile. That's not the problem. In fact, I don't even think I came in last. The problem is, is okay, Tony, maybe it's not a manual dexterity thing, but maybe I just can't think fast enough. <laughs> it's like, oh, here's the three. Where can the three go? Oh, look, it can go right there. Slam! And somebody else puts a three there. It wasn't a question of whether I could finger the cards and, and put them in the piles fast enough. I just wasn't processing fast enough. And I think that would just come with practice. You're saying you don't suffer from MD. I don't think I do. You know me pretty well. I don't think I've had a problem with manual dexterity. No. I can, eat, I can eat with chopsticks. Okay,
0: well, I'll give you that, but it's I understand. Yeah, it's right. It's the processing. Seeing what is out there and getting it done quickly enough that it allows you to do that game well, and I agree. It's I don't do well at these games, but hey, my wife loves them, so that's why I'll play them.
1: So Chris, at Origins, give me another shot, except he'll still kill us because he's really good at that game, except you did beat him once. No, he wasn't playing that time. Oh, never mind. He'll still kill us.
0: Is it all over, Rock? I guess so.
1: It's a Portal-themed episode. We get that. It's just that we kind of had all these Portal games at once to talk about. He's been releasing a lot of stuff recently. One of the ones he just released was the 51st State Master Set. Now, this was designed by the man himself, Ignacy Cevicek, and this is a re-release of a game that was originally done in in 2010 that is uh, no longer in print. He decided, I need to bring this out again. Well, actually, Tony, I think a lot of people were kind of demanding it. After Imperial Settlers came out, which... Imperial Settlers based on 51st State, a lot of people wanted to see 51st
0: State back out again so they could try it out. Was it really based on it, but the or the mechanics were the same?
1: Yeah, the mechanics were. This, uh, it looks and feels and plays kind of like, they, they're kind of like each other, but the theme totally different.
0: Right, because if it was based on Imperial Settlers, or if I, vi- I need to go change the name of the title of the episode because it's no longer about apocalypse, it's about happy little meeple looking people designing <laughs> no. stuff.
1: No, no. And, you know, Imperial Settlers came after 51st State. So it's mechanically, it looks and feels they're they're kind of the same. But that's actually one of the things we want to talk about is what's the difference between the two. So we got this game, I don't know, probably a couple months ago. And this was a review copy that was sent to us. And I've played this game a lot. And I'll just go ahead and, and just,
0: you know, too long, did not listen to. I love this game, Tony. Same here. I, I love this game. I think it's I like this more than Imperial Settlers. If you put either one on the table for me and said pick, I'm go- I'm sorry, I'm going to have to tag 51st State. Like I mentioned when we were talking about, um, you know, three's a magic number. I really, really like this game.
1: Yeah. And that's one of those things that we talk about. We'll explain why we like it. So here it is. The 51st State is set in the world of Niroshima Hex. So it's a post apocalyptic setting,
0: which is, Tony, why you picked the theme of this. This podcast that we've been trying to do all night? Yes. Oh, my gosh.
1: So much stuff will be on the cutting room floor you, you all don't
0: even know. <laughs> so anyway, so 51st State, it's it's a game. I mean, it's real simple, Marty. I mean, you're- Is trying, it really simple? It's so simple. Even I picked it up on the first play. That's how simple it is. I mean, you're sitting there and you're trying to build an engine to score 25 victory points because guess what? The first person that gets 25 victory points is the winner. Well, not really. I mean, because there's a final round.
1: That's what triggers the end of the game. And here's the thing: if you ever played Imperial Settlers, you're going to pick up this game really easily, right?
0: Yes, I mean, I agree with you. And I mean, it's it's the similar method. And what's really neat is there's only one side where you have to place cards on the on the player board there for your faction, the mutant or the whatever the guys with the Texas Longhorns. You only have to put it on one side. Imperial Settlers, you got to put it on two. So. <laughs>
1: Well, the reason why is because uh, in Imperial Settlers, there's two different types of cards, which is one of the difference. In Imperial Settlers, you have faction cards and common cards. In 51st State, there's only common cards, so there's nothing specific to your faction. Granted, everybody has a specific faction board. And what changes is, is like what you get on your production phase at the the beginning may change a little bit between factions.
0: But other than that,
1: everything else plays the same because you're pulling from the same pool of cards.
0: You're doing a draft. You're drafting cards. One of my favorite mechanics mechanics all. I mean, in the game setup, after everybody's picked their faction, then you go into, hey, Let's do a draft of cards, and it's a serpentine draft. You you put out the number of cards, and the players look and say, "Hey, this is the card I want." But first, you of course deal them six cards, and they pick the four they like the most, right, Marty? Boy, you really got that backwards, did you? Secondly, yeah, I you do, do this, but first you do this. But they know <laughs> yes. that, yeah, yeah. You get your yeah, you dealer by
1: deal six cards. They keep four, and then, like you said, you you take the. Uh, uh, number of uh, players plus one and put that number of cards on the table and like you say do a serpentine draft everybody picks a card and then the last player gets to they reset and the last person gets to get
0: the first pick the next turn back around and it's time to play the game go to that production phase production phase is pretty simple look at your cards that produce stuff put it on your board even i can do that exactly and if you have any deals in play which we'll talk about in a bit you also get those too that's right. So deals give you stuff, the production, which is the first row on your from your faction board, you get that. And then also what's on your board. So you, you'll you get things like, oh, I don't know, gray contracts, uh, red race contracts. Um, you'll get f- possibly guns, gears, fuel. And we'll talk about that as we play through the game with you here.
1: Yeah. And so there's three different types of cards that you can get. Again, like in Imperial Settlers, those three are production, feature, and action. And as Tony said, that top row is production and that's what's going to generate resources for you at the beginning of your turn. Then there's features which are like uh, ongoing passive abilities which do things for you like uh, one of them is, is where you get to bank stuff. At the end of your turn typically you got to discard all your resources but there's some feature cards that allow you bank things on that card so you can save it from turn to turn. And the last row is your actions. One things you can do on your turn is take one of the actions on that card and typically what you're trying to do is is towards the end of the game is that's where you generate your victory points. You take take the resources you've earned, spend them on the actions on the on the cards down below and they'll give you victory points to drive you towards that 25 point
0: And that's one thing everybody needs. You get that production engine going. Once you got that going, then you look at how can I go ahead and start generating the victory points. So it's a ramp up. Just like all these games, you're ramping up, getting that engine running. And then boom, suddenly, boom, you're at 25 points. And guess what? Final round. Let's see who won.
1: And you got to get some buildings in play, right? And this is where there's a little bit of difference between Imperial Settlers and 51st State. In Imperial Settlers, there's a cost of resources in order to put a card into play pretty straightforward. Here, if you want to put a card into play, there's two ways to do it. One of them is you have to pay a certain number of gray contact tokens, depending on the the price of that uh, building. And it ranges anywhere from uh, one to three. So if it's a cost two, you pay two gray contacts, put it back into the pool and put that card into play. Well, the thing is, Tony, getting those gray contacts is not that straightforward. Typically, you're generating your resources. Like you said, the guns, the fuel, the gears, you're getting people. But those aren't used to build buildings like they are in Imperial Settlers. Instead, you need to trade those in. And everybody on their board has ability to trade in a certain number of resources for a certain type of contact. It just so happens, and this is very well thought out, they're color-coded. You trade in gears for gray tokens, guns, for red tokens, which we'll talk about where they're used in a second, and then fuel for blue, and we'll talk about what those are used for. But that's how you get your different contacts, unless you can maybe find some production cards that'll produce them for you.
0: And now for me, Marty, this is where the theme kicks in, because what you're doing there is, think about it, you need to sell resources to your contacts. And they'll they'll give you something in return, and in doing that, that's how you build your actions. So that's how I related with the theme. There is like, hey, you know, I need to make a deal, so I need to give my my fuel to that guy, so he's going to give me my blue. Oh, wait a minute, I need to generate my red contacts or the people who can destroy stuff. So I'm going to give him a gun. And then of course, the gray is the gear. I'm going to give him the ability to produce, to maybe fix a machine or anything like that. And you know me, everybody's like, all you're doing is exchanging this for that or this for that. Yeah. If that's all you're going to think about, then fine, do that. But for me, that's how I relate with my theme. I, I like that. That's where I bring it in. And I appreciate Ignacy doing that for me saying, Hey, see how this relates? See how this relates. And Marty's right getting those great contacts, man, you really got to figure out how that's going to work for it.
1: Yeah, exactly. And that's why the game at the beginning is so slow, right? I mean, you only may get one or two points, maybe each round early on, but that really ramps up later on, like you said, what you get your engine going. So that way of paying contacts is called the construct action. The other way to get a building into place is called the develop. And what you're going to do is destroy one of your existing buildings that you have in play. And you can put another card in play as long as it matches one of the icons on that building that was destroyed. Now, every building building on the bottom left uh, side has some icons on that card. They represent things like, okay, this one's going to like maybe give you guns and this one will maybe give you uh, maybe victory points. So you destroy a building of one type to build another building of the same type. It doesn't have to be the same type as far as production feature or action, just has to match those icons. You raise a building or destroy a building, pay a brick, which is the other resource that we hadn't talked about yet, and you can put that building into play and you get a victory point. So when you construct something with gray tokens, no victory points, but when you develop using a brick and destroying another uh, building, you do get a victory point.
0: One thing you got to remember about on these production cards, as soon as you play a production card, you get a resource. So when you're playing your hand, I mean, everybody does an action. They take a card, play it, or do they do an action on their board or whatever. You need to think through that. That's where the strategy comes in because I may need something. So I'm going to put down this production card and I'm going to immediately get those resources, which can later let you play a different card. Now, one of the neatest things I liked about this game, Marty, was the open production. So if I play a card that says open production, I'm going to get that resource. It comes to me. Now, If somebody wants to put a worker on that, he can use now. He can use my card and produce Mm -hmm. that good. Then guess what? He becomes my laborer. So I now get a laborer that I can use for that round. That's kind of cool. I like that. Yeah, that was actually
1: introduced in the expansions for Imperial Settlers, the concept of open production, where you can place one of your workers on somebody else's card across the table and actually get something for it. But like you said, if you do... The person who built the building also gets something in return. So sometimes you have to decide, do I want to give this person an extra worker? Is it worth me getting that resource he's providing to give him an extra worker, which is a really good decision that you have to make. Now, I talked about deals early on. There's another way that you can get stuff at the beginning of the production phase, and that's through deals. Again, this is also like Imperial Settlers. On the bottom of a card is an icon that you can use to generate a deal. Except the way that you create a deal, remember in Imperial Settlers, Tony, you did it with an apple, a piece of fruit, right? That's how you got your deals. Mm-hmm. In this case, you lose using blue contact tokens. And again, it depends on the strength or the, the distance that of this building is either one, two, or three. So if I want to have one that uh, has a three on it, I need to, Discard three blue contact tokens, and I can make a deal out of it. Again, how do you generate blue contact tokens? Well, that's part of the game. I know that one way is you can trade in some fuel and get some blue contact tokens and then use that to, to make deals. And again, the nice purpose of that is is that you get that production at the beginning of, the, of the, the phase, but it's probably not as good as actually using it as a production card because that production card will at least produce a victory point at the end of the game.
0: There's one resource that's very powerful, and that's ammo. Ammo can always be substituted one for one for resources, fuel, iron, gun, or brick. It's the wild card. So if you find that production that gives you ammo, wow, you are in good shape because it can become one of those things that you may need later. So that's one of those powerful productions, Marty. I I like that wild card situation there.
1: So now we've talked about two color tokens. Let's talk about the third, which is the red, which is for raising. Again, if you played Imperial Settlers, you know how you can raise a card from your hand and get uh, whatever it generates uh, the raise resources that you get. Same thing here. Uh, again, the number of resources, the uh, number of red tokens that you have to pay is by the value of the card. And you pay that, you immediately get those resources, you discard the card, and you're good. But you can also use the raise tokens to attack somebody else's board. Now, we talked about the three levels of the faction board. There's production feature, and action. Each of those has a certain amount of defense, three, four, and five. So if, Tony, if I want to destroy one of your action cards, I'm going to have to pay five tokens in order to pull that off. If I do that, I destroy your card. I get whatever the raise value is for that card. You have to flip it over to show that it's not active anymore, but at least you get whatever the resource
0: is for the deal for that card. You said you need a five but I've got this special thing that I'm going to do before you get there. Cause I know this is not a friendly universe that we live in. And I know you're going to come over there and try to attack me. So I may put a shield on that card. So certain cards give you the ability to generate a shield and that shield you can then put on there and it raises the amount it takes for your opponent to destroy it. So instead of five, now you got to do six. Ha. Huh stop that <laughs>
1: that's right and that's something that's not actually an action just anytime on your turn mm-hmm. you can put that shield on a card and then'll be, you'll be picking it up at the end of the round in case you want to move it to uh, some other location uh, when it generates again the next turn now remember I talked about how it's hard to get those contacts there's actually two other ways to get contacts especially the red and blue is there's these two piles of cards on the table called contact cards one will give you some red contacts One will give you blue contacts at beginning of each round. The top card is shown on each of those decks. You can pay two workers, take that card into your hand, and during your turn, you can play that card, and you'll get some of those contacts that you can use for either making deals or raising.
0: Right. That's pretty much it, isn't it?
1: We've done. And the very last thing is we actually talked about earlier is you. One of your actions is to take the action one day action cards.
0: Right. And the only other thing left is pass. That's it. You're done. Did you mention the two cards that are laying out there that you can pay two workers for the the connection cards? Like twenty seconds ago. Oh, I thought you did, but you know, I was zoned out. I was. Wow, dude. Wow. I mean,
1: I just said it. Oh, my bad. Okay, I
0: trust that see, you would See, he say,
1: doesn't listen to me. You see what I have to deal with? He doesn't listen to me. Went and we hadn't gotten to the point of,
0: hey, Marty, do you want to play a game Saturday night? And all of a sudden, he's making plans with his neighbors. That's beside the point. I didn't mention Saturday night. But anyway, so everybody passes. Guess what? It's clean up, clean off your boards, go back to the top of the stack, draft again. Plain and simple.
1: That's it. And then once somebody gets to 25 points, you finish the current round. And when, after that's over, then you count up the total number of buildings that you have in play. Each one of those are worth a victory point. The person with
0: most victory points wins. Did you mention that victory points for face-up locations, but not face-down locations?
1: I did not, but that's that's true. If a, if a building has been raised and is flipped over, you don't get any victory points for that. Yeah, that, that stinks. And see, it's also an interesting decision you have to make, Tony, because if you develop Uh, something, it may cost you... uh, You do get a victory point for it, but you are destroying another building that would have given you a victory point. So it's kind of give and take. You're destroying one building that might have been useful to you to get another one into play. But I have found in playing this game that the whole purpose of developing where you raise one and play a brick... Is the fact that you can uh, something that cost that would have cost three gray tokens? That's when you want to do it because getting three gray tokens is pretty tough. Now we didn't did also mention didn't mention that there's also the bulldozer token. And with the bulldozer token, if you get that, remember I talked about you had to match icons on what you mm-hmm. destroyed, once you built the bulldozer eliminates that rule. You can just destroy any building you want, and build anything you want.
0: Kind of thematic there. Bulldozer comes in, levels it. Artwork on these cards, very interesting, very disturbing at some point, like kids standing there with gas masks, but that's okay. This is post-apocalyptic. This is Thunderdome. This is where you're at. I love the artwork. I love the
1: artwork. It's totally different than Imperial Settlers, which definitely has more of a a not campy, but more cartoony feel, more lighthearted. And this is more serious and dark. In fact, that's one of the things that everybody says when they play this game. They love the theme. They love the art.
0: They're just really drawn to it. So pros theme. We love we love the theme of the game. I love the speed of play of this game. Let me put it to you like this. There are no cons for me in this game. It, everything's a pro just just how the resources are generated how the cards are oh wait let me take that back i do need my reading glasses but any other than that <laughs> i'm good with this game i know boys get off the font thing i'm sorry it's just funny it's it's just that age thing coming in and and it is it's, it's kind of like wait a minute is that wait what kind of token is that let me hold on let me figure this one out so but other than that it's I love this game.
1: Yeah, and here's the the beauty of it is you actually get two expansions in this game. This is the Master Set. He redid a couple of the expansions and you can incorporate those. There's a couple of variants included in the game where you can change the game up uh, with some additional locations you can. There's a solo variant in the in the game, so there's multiple ways to play. There's ways I hadn't even explored uh, with this game yet in order to take advantage of it and see all that it can do. Tony, I'm with you. I I really don't have a lot of cons. Uh, if, if it's anything, it's one of those things the game is over faster than what you think it's going to be. It plays totally different in Imperial Settlers in that point because in Imperial Settlers, you go five rounds, and at the end of the fifth round, who has the most points wins. Here it's a race to 25. And when somebody gets to 15, 16, 17, and then you look at their action cards and you realize, oh man, they might could generate seven or eight points next round. And it's like, I'm not even where I need to be. It's, it's a frantic race to the end.
0: And I think and now every time we've played now, you can't be nice. And I think that's been my problem. I've tried to not be the, the guy who goes out and hurts everybody. Uh-uh. I think if next time I'm playing, that's one of the strategies. I am going to go out and I'm going to destroy some people's buildings. Well, I think you have to, but there's a cost to it. So those action cards which generate the points cost five
1: red contact tokens in order to get rid of that thing, which is hard to generate. I think it's one of those that you better really target some like if there's some really sweet combo that it anchors on one card, yes, it totally makes sense. But don't really nilly it because it's too hard to generate those contacts.
0: I agree with you, the, the red. That's why you go after their production buildings, because if you do that, then you kill their resources. They, they can't then use and turn around on actions. So you've got to really look at that. How, you, you hit their supply lines, man. You win wars by going after the supply lines. Correct. I know him. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. no, No, you're right. But see, it's also, well, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that when I first heard about the game, it's like, it's all about attacking. It's all about attacking. And I see the reasoning behind it. It's just hard to generate those red contacts. And maybe I just haven't played enough to have an engine that really creates those things. We did forget to mention one other type of contact. And if you get to lucky and have a production that produces one of the multicolor contact tokens, it can be it can be used for any of the color tokens, gray, red, or blue, which is really nice, too. So it's like the all-encompassing ammo, except for contacts.
0: Right. And don't get me wrong, Marty. I'm not saying that, you know, that's the strategy you can always do, because it really does come down to your card draw. It does. Okay. Maybe that's a con,
1: because I think, who was it? That when we played at uh, Cool Me or Not, somebody really got messed up, because... None of the first four cards that they had in their first six drawn or nothing they drafted were production cards. Was it you or it was somebody? And they came out way behind because early on they just had no production.
0: I don't know. It, it was one of those things that, you know, it's a fleeting memory. I, either way, I lost. I lost terribly, but I had a blast. I enjoyed playing that. I liked seeing all the various strategies. So for me, it didn't really matter win or lose. I enjoy this game.
1: 51st date and Imperial Settlers. Is there a place on your shelf for both?
0: um seeing how I have yet to pick up Imperial Settlers, I would say no. I would put 51st State on there before Imper- Imperial Settlers just because, for me, speed of play is the key.
1: This does seem to play faster. For me, I would tend to keep both. And the reason why it's like we talked about earlier with the three is a magic number expansion, there is the idea that you could competitively play. You could build your own deck. There's the customization behind the deck that does not exist in 51st state. So if you're one of those types of people that would like to before the game tweak your deck and modify it and come in there with a a unique faction that nobody else uh, might be playing and, and play against their deck then Imperial Settlers is the way to go because that, you do not have that in the first state because 51st state because everybody has the common draw pool. But Tony, like you, if you set them both on the table right now, and maybe because 51st state is so new, I'll point at 51st state every time from theme to speed of play. And the whole contact mechanic is so enough different from Imperial Settlers and how you build things that You really have to think outside the box. How am I going to generate those, create those contacts in order to build stuff? I just, I love it. I mean, and Tony, this is one of the first games I think both you and I have said we both want on our shelves. It's rare for us to have reviews where both of us say it's on our shelf.
0: Right. And and there's nothing, I mean, Imperial Settlers, incredible game. But I think for me to teach this game as, you know, this is the game I would tend to teach easier because if I'm having to teach Imperial Settlers, I'm having to go through all the various factions with people, right? How they That's all, true. They all work. Here, it's pretty straightforward. Now, I'll admit, the boards in 51st State, you know, the mutants have more of a strategy of possibly attacking. So you may want to look towards that, right? Which is, seems to be the one I always get to draw. But anyway, from because it's a random draw. Other than that, I mean, they're both great games, but yeah, 51st State, it's it'd be on the shelf. Now, I know those that got pre-ordered, they got the really cute wood tokens. That's really neat. They're really pretty. They're really nice. But I, either way, I'd have wood, not regular tokens, wouldn't matter to me. Great game.
1: Yeah, well, actually, the only difference between the tokens is, is how they're uh, marked. It's like the, the pre-order brick had looked like they were chipped. The bricks were chipped and that's not in the other one. The little people have gas mask in the pre-order when they don't have gas mask on the regular. So the shapes are the same. It's just actually what's on the tokens. But again, it's the components are just top notch. There's a, a lot in this game. I don't know if there's going to be any more. 51st State. I don't know if this is like a one and done. You hear it's everything, we're done. Whereas Imperial Settlers continues to have expansions. I haven't heard, regardless if another expansion never comes out, I'm very happy with this master set. Love it. And it's one of those games that after I play, I'm always ready to play again.
0: Wait, what? Nope. What? Here is a license to print money. Do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: well, I don't know. And, and maybe he has said that. But remember, this one did come with two expansions already
0: included inside of it. Get busy. Put First Martian on the Well, don't put First Merch, Martian on the side. Cry Havoc's gone to the printers. I think that's what he said. Ignasi is the he here. What are you doing? Come on. Get, you said you were busy, You but I proved to him that he had available
1: weekends. Well, I think this is where Imperial Settlers can do something in 51st State Camp. Because you have unique factions, you can introduce new factions and additional cards to
0: existing factions to really change the game. Fine. Whatever. I, I'm good with it. 51st State people, seriously, go out, play it. You're going to fall in love with it, and you'll probably want to take it home.
1: Every person we've taught it to has loved it also. Big thumbs up from both of us. It deserves space
0: on our shelves. That's right. You've just heard a bunch of reviews for Portal Games. You can go out and pre-order Crazy Cards right now on this website. And 51st State is in game stores right now. You heard it. We Give it the thumbs up. Really, guys, go give this a try. We think you'll enjoy it. 51st day. If you like Imperial Settlers, you need to check this one out. Also be listening for everything that's coming out from Origins as Ignacy continues to throw out various types of games that he has in the works. So be sure to check out portal.pl All right, Marty. Put me out of my misery. Let's end this thing.
1: No, wait a minute. I want to go back to what I referenced. You put this poll on the Guild, what should I play with my neighbors this weekend, one day, no, the same day we said at lunch, do you want to get together and play games game Saturday night?
0: Did, did I mention on the poll that it'd be Saturday night? I just assumed because Saturday
1: night's your game night and you stick to these nights. I Here I'm going to tell you, Tuesday night's movie night, Wednesday night is bowling or basketball night, Saturday night's game night.
0: I understand, but from the standpoint of I've got an extra day for the weekend. Yes,
1: but also know that Friday is a wedding that we're going to for a friend of ours. So I know that's out also.
0: Yes, so those of you that have made it this far through this episode, Marty and I get to go attend a wedding. Good friend of ours who's game group, I add Mr. Turtle himself. He'll turtle at anything. Is getting married. Congratulations, Ed. It's not like he listens to this show, does he?
1: No, no, he doesn't. But yes, Ed is one of our longtime buddies, one of the first people we got into board gaming with. He was like who we introduced and sat down and learned StarCraft with. It was that long ago.
0: Yeah, maybe we shouldn't have started off with that. But anyway, so Marty and I will be at a wedding. And no, I don't think it will be okay for us to whip out a board game at the reception. So we'll have to behave ourselves. I was already
1: asked by Vanessa, you're not taking a board game to this wedding thing, are you? I was like, "Uh, I guess I'm not
0: now. (laughs) (laughs) But don't worry, we will have a deck of cards somewhere. So anyway, bring Dutch Blitz. Oh, that would be hilarious. I got to practice. That will be hilarious. So, anyway, um, you're right. No, you're absolutely right. I say we're going to do something. We got to stuff some envelopes. We got to get some dice trays out. We got to get some dice out. We got a busy weekend planned for us. Yeah. And
1: in fact, what you're referring to is those people who have been so kind and gracious to us and pledged to us on the Pod Pledge site at podpledge.com. We have our incentive rewards for uh, the dice and the dice trays. So, we're going to be getting those out to you. In addition, everybody who has quite qualified for a shirt should have gotten theirs or it's in the process of being ordered. So if you're interested in seeing that and you want to support the show, go out to podpledge.com. Again, our goal is to get the 100 pledges this year. Even if you just throwing a buck, it still counts. And we appreciate everything everybody's given to us so far.
0: That being said, Marty, I think it's time for us to, I don't know, what, what happened at the end of Thunderdome? Didn't they try to take a plane off or fly a plane? Thunderdome didn't happen, just like Matrix 2 and 3. <laughs> okay fine so either way if you're playing 51st state make sure you keep rolling dice there's no dice in 51st state just go with it and taking names
1: thanks for listening everyone you can find us on twitter at dice and names you can like our facebook group you can join our guild we would love some positive itunes reviews so if you wouldn't mind take time and go give us a review on iTunes. Y'all come back now. You hear? In three, two, one. A game that's going to be coming out at Origins in just a few months. Three, two, one. A new game that's going to be coming out soon from Portal Games is Crazy Karts. It's that cr- crazy racing game Oh, my gosh. Taylor seems crazy that many times. Three, two. We got a chance to play it, and we want to talk with you all about this game. Okay. <laughs> you
0: call me off guard. <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
1: Uh, I was going to let you, if you, well, Lord, have we ever done a show before? You want me to start all over again? Go for it. Uh, three, two, one. God.
0: oh my god it'll be 11 o'clock before we get this done three two one
1: the latest game no marty it's not three two this is really
0: sucking (laughs) i'm sorry Hey guys, the pre-order for Fun Again Games is completely awesome. Marty and I just ordered up our copy of Millennial Blaze that you will hear a review of on the future show. With that and our membership on the Fun Again site, we were able to save 40% off that game. You really should. If you're thinking about ordering a game or especially those that may be coming out at Origins or the ones they've already listed that you may hear about Gen Con, be sure to check it out and use the pre-order system at funagain.com.